hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com drink. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Hello, wow. everyone. <laughs> everyone. Today we today is a silly, silly day. My it's... favorite part is that Eva was like, I'm just going to let him figure it out. Like, she didn't even, like, try to, like, be, like for good reason. Like, was like, I'm just going to let them play this out. And it's just the energy the is The energy is crazy over it's here right lot. now. It's a lot. I struggled to do things I should definitely know how to do. Um, Christine helped me. And then we both got lost for a second inside of Zoom. And it. It's been yeah. a little bit of, uh, not a nightmare, but uh, definitely an uncomfortable dream. An uncomfortable dream. I was stuck in M's desktop. Imagine. It Imagine was exactly as was. people think my desktop looks. Well, the wildest part was like, I was like, it looks a lot like my desktop because I have a lot of pictures of M on my desktop for whatever <laughs> reason, for various reasons. And so I was like, I feel like some sort of kinship here. Although I did notice you don't have many pictures of me on your desktop. So I felt a little bit... I, I regular I do like a weekly like highlight everything and then shove it in a folder so I never have to look Isn't at it that again. Fun, I do that too. <laughs> now I've got like about fifty folders. I know at least ten of them are just pictures of you because oh, I've saved them for random like holidays and projects. Yes. Um, but yeah, this was a this was obviously a me week, which is why all the pictures on the desktop are literally of me. I so. love that for you though, like a me week for you. How are you, Christine? I missed you so much. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you? I like your chartreuse background. Oh, thank you. So this is part of my childhood bedroom. 
It's green. Uh, it's very. My brother's bedroom was that same lime green color. Yeah, I was fifteen. It was a it was a summer break choice where I think I let a little too loose. It's very two thousands. Thank you. And also, my I mom didn't mean that as a compliment, but you're welcome. Fifteen <laughs> year old me would be ecstatic. I'm just teasing. Um, but uh, yeah, we're. <laughs> If you look at all of the, if you could look closely, they, my mom, this was my first time she let me paint a room. She was like, if it's your room, you can do whatever you want. And it's just like the worst paint job ever. There's drips everywhere. i be honest. It looks, I mean, I can't see closely, but like, as you know, I painted many rooms in my house at age 30 and it is just a disaster. So the fact that 15 year old, you even finished painting an entire room, including stripes and stuff. Like, I don't know how you pulled that off. Um, I don't really, I don't know. It looks I think good I, to me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've got nothing left in here except this bed. And then this room is actually very small. It's only like, uh, like eight by eight. <laughs> it's like the walls are here and oh the walls God. are here. What's on like, the wall I, there? This, this is the wall. Um, it's left. like, it's a, like a row of little pictures from when Aww. I was a kid. That's literally the only decoration still up here. So oh, nice. And then, but yeah, so, um, this was actually, um, when we first moved in, I think this was supposed to be like a bedroom with a bathroom attached mm -hmm. and we never put a bathroom in here. So this was the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> that's why it's so small. So this is the bathroom attached to my bedroom. So I was like the cool kid that had like two rooms. Oh, but you're saying th this was not your entire bedroom. You're saying like, oh, this is part of your bedroom that was going to be a bathroom, but is now your cool stripey yeah, I like bedroom. I made I made the bathroom that we never did anything with. It was just an, oh. an empty room. I turned that into where I put my bed, and oh. so I've got like a little cave. And then the actual bedroom part was just like where a we lounge. like hung out as the kids. Yeah, it was kind of very swanky. Man, I'm, I'm... Uh, I was like, oh, I get that feeling of having a closet <laughs> for a bedroom. Oh, that's not. Oh, I see. That's just the oh. ensuite of your bedroom. Okay, <laughs> that's exactly. My mistake. <laughs> anyway, so welcome to what should have been my bedroom and my bathroom in 1996. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah, how are you, Christine? I like I love your your room as always. It always looks very clean in that one corner. Thank you. I know that's why it's in the corner. I mean, you've been here plenty of times by now. You know that if I were to turn the camera around, it would be really stressful for everyone's psyche. But uh, thank you. I'm sitting in the corner. I'm uh, picking off all my nail polish. And cool. Yeah, it's been a great day. My mom is back from Germany after six weeks. Oh yeah. And can finally watch the baby uh, so that you and I can record, which is just splendid. Um, did she bring you back any treats? She did. They brought chocolate and chocolate and chocolate. Um, and then they also brought some baby formula because there's that shortage going on. Yep. And uh, I am fortunate enough to have been on like a subscription plan with the company I use. So I am not low. So I'm, I found somebody to mail the formula to who's struggling to find formula food for their baby so I'm, I'm mailing that out after we record um and my mom brought um my child her first doll uh so Aww. yeah it's cute thankfully i was a little worried knowing my mom's history with with creepy dolls that she <laughs> find something <laughs> scary looking but it's actually like fine um but uh, it, yeah that's all i mean honestly i'm just so happy she's back to babysit <laughs> Kristen, you've got to tell us how your shows went. 
Oh, they were super fun. I fucked up the Cincinnati one pretty bad. Why? Um, I didn't plug the aux cord in all the way. And so there was no music. I, I heard the music, but it was coming from my laptop. <laughs> oh. uh, the first row heard it. So we called it like a VIP perk for the people up front. Sure. And then a lot of people in the meet and greet were like, oh, I thought that was just a creative choice. And I was like, have you met me? Like, obviously, if something's wrong, it's because I fucked it up. Not because I Honestly, did it on though, purpose. Honestly, though. When people have met you, though, they also know that you do make wacky creative choices. That's true. Like, I do it, nail things to the wall. Uh. You could have just been like, oh, those are our whale noises. No. Like, that's the Beachy Sandy whale noises. Yeah. So about 20 minutes before the show ended, I realized there was no music. And I was like, oh, well, sorry, everyone. Uh, and so it was, was it fine. To, was it music that was playing throughout? No. So I know you've never... Somebody on the... Uh, Beachy Sandy Facebook group was like, was it a bit that M said they've never listened to Beachy Sandy? And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings. I just no, really, it I just, hurt my feelings. Alexander I just, doesn't listen to our show either. I just don't, I just really don't listen to podcasts. And also when I do listen to podcasts, it's to be completely mindless and not really hear the whole thing. So I don't know if listening would be any better, but no, no, uh, it was just funny. Cause I was like, oh man, uh, people thought you were like doing a whole bit. Cause I was like describing the, po- the premise of the show and they were like what i um, get no. you you read you read one star reviews of places and yes, every episode but... is a different place or location or t- or category right and so we have music that i know we have like sad music under the one star reviews like dramatic piano uh-huh, music uh-huh. to like very uh celebrity reads mean tweets yeah situation. yes exactly it's like melodramatic music we definitely didn't get the rights to rem which i think is what they <laughs> use for dramatic t- or mean tweets uh but yeah so it's like dramatic music and then under the like positive reviews we have like redemption music but anyway it doesn't matter because it wasn't playing but then the next night in columbus i feel like we like nailed, nailed it. it yeah so it was it was really fun um we missed you uh, I really, I really did want to be there so badly. It was so weird to be in a green room with, without me having it, a panic attack on the floor. Well, actually, it was kind of pleasant. My brother and I played heads up on my phone. Oh, that sounds so much lovelier than whatever I've dragged you into. And never were in a green room. You probably were like, honestly, Sandy, can this just be a you and me situation from now on? Because no, M does not make it fun. No, 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 no. You do. I feel like uh, it. It was weird because we've been to the Liberty Township Funny Bone mm-hmm. and the Columbus one. And so I was like, I've been in these green rooms before. It probably felt M. like being, it probably, I imagine it felt like being in a dream where like yes. you're, at, you're at the amusement park, but your high school teacher's there. Exactly. And, it's like, and that was what? also the example when you said amusement park. And I was like, yeah, but then your high school teacher's there. So clearly uh-huh. we have a similar, that's we've what it felt the like. like the, Maybe oh. you were at the amusement park when I was dreaming about it too. Maybe our, maybe our astral souls were trying to find so each other. That's so cute for us and so dumb that we couldn't figure it out. We, I, I probably ditched you at the amusement park in Dreamworld because I <laughs> got lost. You were probably hiding from me. <laughs> Anne, are you here? <laughs> I probably was having a panic attack on the floor, just like in our green room. So. <laughs> anyway, but thank you for asking about the shows. We were really fun, but we missed you. Um, and you're, you're <laughs> as we know, in your ensuite right now, um, back, in, <laughs> back in the homeland. I am. I'm. I'm here for a very brief stint, but Allison came with me, and it's a. Uh, it's just a. It's just a quick little moment. Um, but it, it. It's been. It's been weird because while we're here, it really has been 100% just working, and it's weird to be in. A uh, a building that I a building a house, but it's it's weird for me to think of this space as a place I where I you're work about to tell because me your home was like some sort of skyscraper. It's actually a. a an abandoned factory it's a castle (laughs) that checks out (laughs) um but uh 
no, we it's weird to be here and really like waking up doing work until like five or six o'clock and then just having dinner and going to bed and doing it all over because yeah. I'm used to coming here and it being like my vacation home like, anytime yeah literally since high, I left after high school anytime I come here it's because I'm on break right, <laughs> so right 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 it's it's weird and Allison's here so she's definitely keeping me in line with uh making sure that we're doing our work <laughs> usually <laughs> I feel like usually when I'm here I like am a little more lenient about like oh I'm not gonna you know mess around or i'll take an hour off but at when allison works she's very type a and so she's been like are you working are you working what are you doing <laughs> so <laughs> i'm kind of like scared in my own home right now <laughs> oh pleasant yay but anyway yay. it's been keeping me on track i actually already got next week's notes done so good for I'll you Thank you. Well, you've been absent from the Slack, M. So I feel like uh, I know. I feel really bad about it. Missed I missed you in the Slack chat. I have um, apparently nine notifications that I have to get back to. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We miss you over there, but um, I'm sure. Uh, oh, and Eva just posted another thing in there. So now yeah, you have my ten. Little, my my little ticker <laughs> just went to ten. Uh, anyway, by the way, if you have a small business, um, Slack is something we have tried recently, and Christine and Eva can't stop screaming about it. It has it's become so gr- very. It's useful. just like gets your brain, your thoughts onto something else. So like. If you this have is like not a, an ad, by the way, but no, Slack, if, I if wish you want it were. to. <laughs> but if you have like a thought or an idea or like, oh, you want to touch on something, you can just like throw it in there and either like set a reminder or just like leave it for someone else to look at later. I mean, it's just very uh, nice to have. And I know that I'm very I was like, Alexander, let me show you Slack. He's like, Christine, I've been using this for like seven years. What do you like? I'm sure everyone else you. is thinking that right now. If it's I know. Like I'm, like, I'm like, and nobody likes it because it's always like for work. Um, But I just like it because I feel like we, our group chat used to be like Eva sending 18 messages and then being like, hey, yeah, I know like this was three days ago, but you really need to respond to this specific thing. And then we'd like scroll and try to find the link. And it's just a lot easier. Um. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we miss you in there. Em, but I'm sure you'll be popping into. <laughs> After we record, I'll probably catch up on all kidding. of it. I don't think there's anything urgent. Uh, I, uh, there's, I, I trust me, I'm aware of it, though, because when I woke up, I was looking at all my updates, and I was like, ooh, I really got to get back on There's Slack. some talk about, like, horses in there, so I think you're not missing, like, anything too vital, you know? I, I hope Eva that's all admit, 10 Eva of the notifications. a revelation <laughs> that she was a horse girl growing up. I think I did know that, and I think I intentionally blocked it out. Oh, I, this I, might be one of those, like what happens in slack stays in slack and i'm breaking the rule but even oh. did announce that she was a horse girl i think my mom wanted me to be a horse girl um <laughs> yeah i bet she did that's such a linda move <laughs> well she she made me go to like summer camp where like you did horseback riding oh you pay. um and it didn't work let's just put it that way seem like something you'd be into i rode two horses for like three years or something and uh I got, I think I got four different ribbons. And when I what? got, yep. And Wait, then hold on. I'm learning so much about you and Eva to be, right now. This was completely out of like under duress. Like I did not want this <laughs> to be fair. Um, <laughs> but so you're like being handed a ribbon. You're like, I don't want it. <laughs> Take it away. Oh, yeah. I don't know where they are. I think I threw them away. But oh, I bet I, Linda knows where they are. I, you know, she just might. I don't want to know. I'd I don't like want to have them for my own. Remind her of that. Uh, but no, I really like the summer camp, but my mom, I think lied to me at one point and said that a requirement was to 
go was to do horseback riding there but i found out they were like all elective based like five so years into going to this fucking place <laughs> your mom's idea for horseback riding anyway i did not have a lot of fun but i do know how to ride a horse if uh something were to happen yeah, meanwhile, I, I know I how to like, like set up a saddle and all that what yeah and oh, like clean cool. their feet clean their hooves and all that i didn't have that uh experience i played with a hose by now you've probably heard about burrow a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs durable materials and details that make life in your space easier last year they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line which i love and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection for example dunes offers seating dining and lounger options while scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric and i think i'm gonna get two of those for the balcony blaze and i love to sit out there in the evenings after leona goes to bed and i love the idea of having a good looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside made of durable materials made for all seasons weather resistant teak stainless alloy and quick dry stain resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15 percent off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash drink for 15 percent off burrow.com slash drink did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the u.s with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the u.s you can grow lemon avocado olive or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants available fast growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days and along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee they offer free plant consultation forever i am so thrilled that we are working with fast growing trees i spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what i would love to order from their products they have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden um they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very very specific flowers i actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden i recently discovered how much i love the smell of lilac and so so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Usually in the summer. That sounds so fun. It and was. Cheaper. <laughs> what is my mom thinking? To be fair, it was. <laughs> Let's get into some spooky stuff, yeah, Christine, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. we have a part two I've got to finish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a score to settle. What was it? An so, exorcism? Oh, yeah. So this, I'll, I'll catch you up, sweet okay. Christine. Don't you thank, even worry. Thank you. Um, oh, so by the way, I see your little, what's it called? Coochie Copy? Yes. Um. I am seeing the movie tonight, the Bob's <gasps> Burgers movie. Oh my gosh, have fun. I'm so jealous. I don't know anything about it. I know that apparently I'm going, I, again, under duress, but I'm. I, it's not that bad. I'm pretty excited. It's not that bad, yeah. I wish I could go under duress, but alas, <laughs> I have an infant. But I am also, I want to point out, I'm burning this candle that um, the lovely is a Eva, lot lower. 
it's not going to burn your cabinets. Oh, right. I guess I shouldn't keep putting candles on here. But you're right. This one is, oh, you know what? Everyone's going to be mad. So I am going to move it before they like report me to YouTube. But Eva gave me this beautiful, Eva and Rachel gave me this beautiful candle, this Ouija candle for my birthday. Isn't it nice? Goodbye. It says says goodbye. goodbye. (laughs) Yeah, it's lovely. And it's hand poured in downtown LA uh, by Purgatory Candle Company. So, Ah, Purgatory. Hang on. They're in LA? Yeah, downtown LA, it says. Well, I guess I am heading right over to Purgatory uh, Candle Shop. You are heading to Purgatory. I already know that about you. That's a fact. That's a fact. So, um, okay. This is the second part of the Becker family haunting, which is what I named it, but it is known as the first televised exorcism. Mm-hmm. And uh, to catch you up, it's a couple, uh, Edwin and Marsha, and they are, uh, they own a boarding house where they live on the top floor and the bottom floor. They were renting out to people, but they can't keep, they really can't keep people in there because uh, there are a lot of spooky things going on. Mm-hmm. And to a point where when Edwin goes to work, Marsha is staying Uh, hiding out in the kitchen because she feels the safest in in that room and she is kind of losing her mind the couple is getting into a lot of fights and their relationships getting damaged to a point where Marsha eventually leaves because she can't take it anymore and edwin stays for a month uh at the house by himself and i think he has some sort of aha moment goes back to find Marsha and says, uh, please come home. We are going to make this work. Let's yeah. seek professional help together. It was like when the ravioli burned or something. And he was like, I can't do this anymore. It was in the seventies. And he was like one dinner. I Chef tried and it, it burnt, burnt to shreds. I need my <laughs> housewife back. <No. laughs> I'm sure there were other reasons, but, uh, it, it is some very silly context. Suspicious but, timing. <laughs> yeah. Very convenient timing. So Edwin and Marsha, they were fed up with their haunted house. It was destroying their relationship, and they decided to seek professional paranormal help. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, though, that this haunting of theirs, this was before The Exorcist came out. This was before Amityville Horror came out. There wasn't really this boom in uh, paranormal awareness, I guess. Right. Um, so they really had nowhere to turn to. There weren't any ghost hunters you could just call at the time. Um, it was really a very quiet community that they didn't know how to access because there was no internet so um the best that they could do was marcia decided to go through the phone book and the first group that they find uh i don't know if i would even call them investigators or if they were there to bless the house um i think according to them they had good intentions but they were more or less just paranormal enthusiasts like Mm -hmm. thrill seekers love that they have a number in the phone book though (laughs) (laughs) honestly wait a minute can we get our Eva, put us in the phone book as paranormal enthusiasts. (laughs) I want to be a paranormal thrill seeker. (laughs) Um, Make us a group and just give us one number, a Google voice number, and people can do whatever they want with that from the phone book. Fun. Um, Okay, so they are, they have this group come in and have them, or try to have them bless the rest of the house. And in interviews with Edwin and Marsha, they basically say that, uh, they were more terrified of the house than helpful when they came over this one group. Oh, okay. At the end of them walking around and like kind of getting spooked by all the activity, someone in the group tells them, okay, you don't have any more spirits here to like 
calm them down, I guess. But as he says that, the phone book flies off the table and slams to the floor in front of them. Not the phone book. That's like the beginning <laughs> and the end, full circle. Yeah. <clears throat> and so they take off and they were of zero help. So, Great. Excellent. So that was the first attempt. The second attempt uh, at help from the phone book, Marsha finds this group called Illinois Psychic Research. And which, by the way, I feel like even if I didn't have a paranormal thing going on, if I had a phone book at the time and I was just looking at names, if yeah. I saw Illinois Psychic Research, I'd be calling it regularly anyway. Get them on the horn. Yeah. Get, <laughs> get the IPR IPR on the horn. The IPR. Is that what they are? IPR? Yeah. Illinois Psychic Research. Psychic Research. Okay. Um, so they sent out this guy uh, named Tom Valentine to the Becker's house. So Illinois Psychic Research sent out Tom Valentine. And here's why. There was a well-respected, I think, like, nationally well-acclaimed psychic medium at the time. His name was Joseph DeLuise. And he had predicted, like, a bridge getting destroyed. He had helped track down um, victims of, like, the Manson murders. Oh, my Um, God. He was, I think that was probably what really made him, you know, well-known. Big big time. (laughs) Yeah. And so... So Joseph DeLuise, he was very well known for his psychic uh, mediumship. And Tom Valentine, he was fascinated with uh, everything that Joseph DeLuise was doing. And I think Tom was a former like LA Times reporter or something, or he was still an LA Times reporter. And he went on to write an article about Joseph DeLuise and his work with the Manson murders, because this piece that he wrote was about quote, the correlation of people in the occult and people with mental illness. Okay. Just to see where Charles Manson fit in with all of that. Sure, that's interesting. I thought it was interesting, too. I yeah. I couldn't find the article, but it seemed like a, especially in the 70s, probably a novel article. Oh, probably yeah. Original. So, basically, he ended up writing this piece in, in the psychic world or about the paranormal or parapsychological And he kind of just fell into the parapsychology world. So instead of being an LA Times reporter, I think he quit his job to go work for the IPR, the Illinois Psychic Research. Wow. And because of his work with the correlation between mental illness and people involved in the occult, the IPR started sending out Tom Valentine to families' homes that were allegedly haunted. And he would kind of be the first in line to interview these families and analyze them to see if they were really struggling or if they were just trying to exploit the IPR or if they were trying to bamboozle them or if they were doing this for fame. So he was just kind of there to do like a mental check-in before the IPR took them seriously. Okay. Interesting. So Tom Valentine, sorry, I ate a PBJ and my throat is very itchy now. Are you allergic? I don't know. Why is Anyways. Your itchy? Uh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. We're fine. <laughs> okay. It'll figure itself out. Sure. So uh, as I go. Ugh! Yeah. I just keep an eye on you from over here. Yeah. Yeah. Text somebody if you see me fall over on camera. Okay. Uh, so Tom Valentine was basically like the first person to check out a family before the IPR sent in Joseph DeLuise to do his work. Especially because Joseph DeLuise was now so popular and renowned for his work they didn't want to just send him in hot to a family who might try to trick him or ruin his reputation sure that makes sense so tom valentine goes to the becker's house 
and he, you know, checks out the family. And after he gives the okay to the IPR, uh, Joseph DeLuise came to see the home. And while Joseph was there, Edwin was very skeptical of mediums in the beginning of this day. Well, the beginning, you know, ever since this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joseph brought along with him one of his, like, protégés. Mm. Uh, and he, the protégé was the one who freaked Edwin out a little bit. Because much earlier in this story, something Edwin hadn't told anybody, even his wife, was that when they moved in, he was looking around in the basement, the room that's the scariest and most sinister and the creepiest, and his wife wouldn't even go down there. Um, he was down in the basement and he found a jar full of bullets. <gasps> Ew. And he didn't know what to do with it. It's I think ominous. He, yeah. He didn't know what to do with it. And so I think he thought if I throw them away, like if someone put something flammable next to them, like who knows? Oh. He didn't He didn't know what to do with them. So he just put the jar up inside the ceiling rafters so he wouldn't have to like look at it. <laughs> That's such a Christine and M move. I'll just tuck it over here. So like, nobody just will see it. Out of sight, out of mind. It's like your desktop. Just put yeah. the jar of bullets over in this folder and we'll worry about it another day. It's like object permanence, like a baby. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, he, so anyway, now fast forward to now when Joseph, uh, De Louise and his protege are there. And as they're walking around, the protege looks at Edwin and says bullets. And and Edwin just said, where? And the protege said, in the rafters in the basement. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. And so Edwin was like, oh my god. That's very spooky. Yeah, so that got him. And so (laughs) I think that was the beginning of him being more open-minded to mediums. Uh, Throughout the night, Joseph determined that the house probably had four to five spirits um, that were all probably members of the original family that lived there. Um, although Edwin and Marsha only felt that they had ever experienced two or three of the spirits. And Joseph was like, no, no, there's at least four or five. Wow. Um, of the two or three that Edwin and Marsha knew about, they had only seen one multiple times. And that was a woman who apparently looks as solidly human as any other person. Like Yikes. if you, if you took a picture of this ghost, you wouldn't know it wasn't a, a human being. Right. Um, and apparently whenever this woman was around, you could tell she was very kind, but very sad. Oh. And the eeriest part was that this house seemed to have uh, zones where each spirit kind of lived and did their thing. And they didn't really go into each other's zones, which is interesting because they definitely had no problem going into the human's <laughs> boundary zones. Right, for everyone else's zone. Yeah. Uh, but apparently the darkest spirit was always on the first floor, which we already kind of knew because it seems that that was where most of the activity was. Right. Yeah. Um, and it particularly loved to bother women. So it bothered Marsha mm-hmm. way more than it ever bothered Edwin. When they had the tenants, Dan and Diane, Diane was the one who always had trouble with it. Myra, who was the last living family yeah. member to be there before them, she was definitely odd. So we're going to say that the spirit was probably affecting her. Yeah. Um, or I think that's the understanding that the family had or what there. It was just so it's a weird coincidence that she seems very unhinged and lived in that house for so long. So I think the idea is that the house there might be a connection. Mm-hmm. And so that was all on that's very spooky sinister entity is on the first floor and so when joseph de louise is doing his walkthrough and he is on the first floor he says to the couple 
there's a real dark energy here and I'm not prepared to deal with it. Oh, no. Which, which is so much worse because, like, you're here to deal with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's now your what? job. Like, what do we do? Like, thank you for the information. But Can you imagine what? if you finally found someone who's helpful and then he just dead ends you like that? It's like, He's like, oh, you're right. It's bad here. But yeah. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... I think they were like, so what do we do? And Joseph said that the house, particularly the first floor, would require an exorcism. Yikes. And again, remember, exorcisms were not um, pop culture yet. So Sure, Ed- true, right. Edwin didn't even know what an exorcism was. He was like, right. okay, Why would cool, you? let's do that. And he had no idea what he was like <laughs> signing cool, cool, up cool. for. Cool, cool, yeah. So Joseph knew a Catholic priest named Joe Wood. Okay. And Joe Wood happened to also have a Christian radio program that he hosted on NBC. Oh. So Joseph asked Joe Wood for help with the exorcism. But Joe said, no, it would be too complicated. And he didn't want to be affiliated, which is like, you're a Catholic priest. Please, please help. (laughs) I think you have to be like, especially trained to like, not every priest can do that. I think you have to be like. I think you have to also be trained with like the certain rites and rituals. Yeah, and all that. I think so. I think it's like a big process. Um, and well, so then Joe Wood ends up saying, I do know an exorcist. So okay. he, he was somewhat helpful. Um, so he said, reach out to Reverend William Daryl Davis, um, who was an exorcist who agreed to help Joseph DeLuise. So now this medium is trying to help the family goes to this Christian priest or Catholic priest who introduces him to this exorcism. So now it's a medium and an exorcist trying to help walk into a bar. Oh yeah. Di- you get different it. Story. Okay. Got it. <laughs> uh, and s- <laughs> sorry, funny. it's hot. Good here. Job. I feel like I'm losing brain cells every I was gonna say, is, second. Are you just sweltering like in 96 that... degrees outside? I'm what just... about inside? It's like 99 degrees inside. <laughs> no, it's not too bad. I actually thought ahead to run my AC unit before, for a few hours before we started so it's actually okay when our we our first summer in the burbank apartment um the air conditioning went out in the building and it was in the dead of summer and we bought like ice packs that you put in coolers like not the ice like the one brick ice pack but mm-hmm. like the sheet where like oh, yeah, you yeah, can, yeah you can cut the little cubes out and make your perfect size we just froze those and use them as blankets and just held them all oh no highly recommend though if your place gets too (laughs) hot while you record it's actually kind of smart it was genius it was so (laughs) helpful um okay so now the medium and the exorcist have agreed to work together so keep in mind uh joe wood the catholic priest he had a program with nbc and so i guess when he had been talking to Joseph DeLuise about these problems, he either let it slip to somebody at work or they overheard, but somehow NBC found out that he had turned down an exorcism. <laughs> oh, and you better believe the executives <laughs> were not happy about that. If they were like, you mean what? Like, can you imagine being a producer and finding out you could be in charge of the first filmed exorcism? And, and... then the person turned it down? <laughs> oh my gosh. So NBC was like, no, 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 we are going to get involved with this. Oh. So- they wanted to film it for a segment. And Edwin uh, has later said that this was the first time a major, this is a quote from him, this was the first time a major network was going to take something paranormal seriously. Okay, interesting. And uh, they had, NBC had one of their lead reporters named Carol Simpson call the Beckers and say, we would love to film this whenever it happens at your house. 
And Edwin originally said no. And I different sources said it was Carol, the news reporter, or it was Tom Valentine from the IPR. But one of them convinced Edwin that they should film the exorcism because uh, Joseph, the medium, who had apparently, according to Edwin, Joseph's ever since he did the walkthrough, he was very kind with them. He was very patient with them. He never asked for any money. Mm. Like they never paid him anything. He never asked for anything. He was just trying to be of service. And they ended up becoming lifelong friends. Oh, after that's this. nice. Um, but so when Edwin originally said, I don't want to do, I don't want you to film the exorcism, the reporter or, or someone was like, you really should do this because um, Joseph DeLuise is actually having a book come out and this would be really good PR for him. Oh, and he's your friend. So. And he's your friend and he's never asked a single dollar from you. So, you know. Pay you up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Joseph was like, okay, or Edwin was like, fine, 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 I'll do it. So NBC came to the house and the night of the exorcism, uh, Joseph DeLuise, the medium, and Reverend Daryl Davis, the exorcist, were going to lead it. And they said at the beginning of the night, once we start, nobody can leave the house. And they were like already starting to set up filming. And he was like, nobody can leave the house once we started. I don't care how scary it gets. Uh-oh. And all of the like white collar NBC execs fucking walked right out the door. Good. <laughs> don't were... try to be a hero. Okay. <laughs> they, were, they were like, but then they left all of the crew. <laughs> Oh, I see. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. Um, all of the producers were like, okay, crew, you've got this. And <laughs> I ended up, I I saw in one interview that like the sound man, he was like the most terrified and he was like so desperate to leave. He was like, I want to leave. I don't want to be no. here. And he basically said he would stay if he could carry around a Bible with him all night. Oh my gosh. And so that's what happened. And by the way, later, like... Can you imagine? I, so I'll, I'll tell you about it a little bit later. I'll hold on to it. But remind me of the sound band because I just feel so bad for him. Okay. So uh, so the execs leave. The crew stays with uh, the medium and the exorcist. And the exorcism lasts about three and a half hours. And I couldn't hear the audio properly. I, I don't know if he was saying 16 or 6D. Yeah, it's because but... like I was carrying a Bible around instead of his mic instead of right. audio equipment. <laughs> well Edwin said that in that three and a half hours NBC got 16 or 60 hours of footage. Oh um, oh. Yeah. So uh just based on how many cameras were in certain rooms mm-hmm. and everything. So I don't know. It's still a lot of footage for three and a half hours. Yeah. Um, and Edwin said there was actually a lot of tension between the media, between Joseph DeLuise, the medium and the exorcist. Oh, because apparently, which I hadn't really thought of before, he said that mediums and exorcists, their values on how to handle this are completely different, or at least they sure. were. Then. So one of them, Joseph DeLuise, the way that he wanted to work this out was he wanted to contact the spirits and let them use him as a vessel. And he wanted to open his mind and be vulnerable so they could speak through him. Oh, dear. And the exorcist was like, no, like, we have to get this thing fucking out of here. Don't, Don't let it do possess that. you. So apparently there was a lot of friction. And Edwin said something in an interview, like, in case you ever wonder why mediums and exorcists like aren't doing exorcisms together like i watched it firsthand they really did not get along because they were like battling over like how to handle the situation so there were times where joseph would like let himself be vulnerable and let the spirits try to like 
talk through him or he would go into a trance or something and the exorcist was scared the whole time that joseph was going to get possessed yeah he did now you do an exorcist on a person all of a sudden like yeah hello. exactly well that was something he said that edwin said in an interview he was like right now he only has to exercise a house yeah. he doesn't have to exercise a person and this one person is willingly volunteering yeah to i feel like that must be a worse. personal choice because i feel like i know some psychic mediums at least that i've sort of interacted with who like are not into getting possessed willingly Right, yeah. And I wonder, I think there was, like, I think Joseph DeLuise was assuming he had enough control that, like, right. he could toe the line of, like, you can use my body to speak through me, but you won't possess me, which I don't totally... A dangerous he was just, little game. He was feeling risky that day. <laughs> <laughs> and so Edwin remembers when Joseph would go into a trance, they would be able to tell because his breathing and he was, got heavy and his sweating, he would start sweating heavily. And uh, the exorcist, anytime he heard it, would start freaking out that something was about to happen. So he'd go, he would very loudly be like, come back, Joseph, come back. And that's one of Edwin's Ooh, big takeaways is he, re he remembers the exorcist keep telling Joseph to come back whenever that he went into so a trance. creepy shockingly um very little is shared or known about the exorcism because the nbc segment was very short um even though they filmed for three and a half hours or the exorcism was three and a half hours we did not get three and a half hours of footage right so there was a program at the time which was competing with 60 seconds my family fucking Eight up 60 seconds they love Isn't 60, it 60 minutes is it 60 minutes oh it is 60 minutes i'm so stupid <laughs> it's like 60 seconds it's like a commercial break <laughs> 60 seconds is us going buy rothy's shoes right yeah, now quick exactly. go 60 sorry 60 seconds. minutes it also my notes literally say 60 minutes and my stupid brain was wow because you did seconds. say it like four times because i wasn't gonna say anything and then the fourth time i was like does it really say 60 seconds that's it so says weird. six it says 60 minutes but i think i said seconds and then my brain rode with it i but love that <laughs> um honestly you know what tm 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 but there should be a 60 minutes on tiktok just called 60 seconds there might they could just reboot there it. might be that might be why you said it like maybe it already exists. oh maybe <laughs> like, maybe. maybe i just think in tiktok rules now uh, honestly, like it would, it's clearly couldn't be 60 couldn't whole be. minutes no one's attention Who would, would last watch that, that as we have a 60 minute show but um as we have a four hour show <laughs> <laughs> okay so 60 minutes sorry uh but they had my family by the way really did eat up 60 minutes i remember like it's they a were classic not it's a good one yeah um okay so there was a show at the time that competed with 60 minutes called uh first tuesday and uh on first tuesday nbc released a, a longer version of the exorcism that mm. happened so when they went in and they they got like 16 or 60 hours of footage i'm unsure they got that during a three and a half hour exorcism but all that they really showed at max was a 20 minute long segment oh man so uh and they only played that on the first tuesday segment of nbc but apparently that 20 minute segment of the exorcism only showed in a few areas it didn't show everywhere because there were some fcc regulations where like you couldn't show something a certain amount of times it, i don't really know what the rule was but basically in a lot of parts of illinois people did not see the 20 minute segment they saw a six minute segment no including edwin he was like i lived in an area where like i didn't even get to watch my own 20 minute oh, segment no. on my 
on my exorcism. That stinks. Um, so I don't think the Beckers ever saw the 20 minute version because it only played for that week on NBC and then it went away. They never Dang. played it. They never aired it. But what was interesting and helped Edwin in a way was that when the 20 minute version played on first Tuesday, apparently the switchboards at the studio were going crazy. People were freaking out ah. and they were like, we want to see it again. We want to see it again. And so they played it that week, like tens of times. Oh my gosh. And um, so that in hindsight helped Edwin feel like, okay, people are interested in this and I'm not like being gaslit into thinking I'm crazy. And, yeah. Uh, so anyway, the longer version only ever aired for that week. And that was kind of it. And now the only one you can even find on YouTube is the six minute one. No. Um, I want all that footage. I want those 16 hours of footage. It, me too. But can you imagine having 60 hours of 16 or 60 hours of footage and on, they're only being accessed to six minutes of it? That's so sad. Or 60 seconds if you watch my TikTok, apparently. <laughs> watch the TikTok version. <laughs> um, and so of the footage Edwin saw, the six minutes... He can confirm that in those six minutes, he could hear the sounds of knocking, a voice say mama, and you can see a ghost in a dress appear in the shot for a second. Um, And it makes him wonder what else they caught that they were unaware of. Exactly. Since we only get six minutes of maybe 60 hours of footage. And he's like, if we got whole thing to Zach Bagan's team of producers and they will find (laughs) every little click or sound. Even if they, there isn't, that would be the one day that this very active ghost would be like i'm doing nothing <laughs> and you know what here. ghost adventures would still make a whole They'd production of something. it yeah They'd find something <laughs> so edwin thinks uh at the end of all of this at the end of the exorcism joseph de louise and the exorcist uh daryl davis probably only got rid of one of the spirits oh good job but definitely not all of them and whatever happened during the exorcism edwin says that joseph and daryl davis uh definitely failed and you could tell on their faces when they walked out that night that they weren't happy oh that's too bad um it's too bad also though if i had this whole literal production come out to do an exorcism in my house and nobody looked victorious at the end i'd be like well now i'm really not going in that house now you have to go to bed in there are you kidding yeah also you have to go in in it was like not just a failed exorcism in my mind but it's an exorcism where like the two people leading it couldn't even agree with each other so like it just feels like a bad group project. <laughs> um, so after this night, Joseph told them to never mess with a Ouija board. He was just kind of giving them the rundown of like things to not like poke the bear. Right. Um, well, unfortunately, Edwin's sister moves in with her husband and kids. And one day she heard the piano playing by itself. Uh Oh, and apparently Edwin's brother had also once been in the house and heard the piano play on its own, and he never stepped foot in the house again. He was like, that's too much. I'm not oh doing my, this. Oh, my gosh. So, but the sister was really into it. She, unfortunately, might have been a fan of and That's Why We Drink. <laughs> because she fucking ate it up. She was like, oh, this house has spooky stuff, and the piano plays by itself. So she started bringing her friends over. Oh, gosh. Who were also into this stuff. I like to think the And That's Why We Drink fan base is uh, a little more aware where they're like, let's not make this worse for people. But- I feel like I'm that girl and then all my friends are like, hey, 
let's get Froyo instead. <laughs> They're like, no, like, no, 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 Christine. That's please. a really, it's a very silly idea. Yeah, and I like, think like someone needs to ground you, you know? I I do think that's why we work so well together, because I think there are times where I'm incredibly reckless and you go, mm-hmm, yeah, but we could also not do that. We could also do that. And likewise, I mean. And then it flips and then it flips yeah. where like you say something chaotic and I'm like, you know what? That's the best fucking idea I ever heard. <laughs> right, right. Sometimes we don't really do the grounding part of it. We just do Sometimes the other Sometimes we part. just embolden each other. <laughs> um, and so anyway, this, so the sister hears about the, hears the piano. She starts bringing her friends over. They're into spooky stuff. And eventually they start playing with a Ouija board. No. Um, and when Edwin and Marsha find out about this, Edwin storms in, breaks the Ouija board, which I don't know if that's good because I think they were in the middle of playing with it Uh-oh. and never said goodbye. Uh-oh. They never talk about that, but I'm thinking that probably was not a good move. Probably um, not. But he just starts freaking out because he's like, how on earth could you let something back into this so house? I would be so pissed. Especially because oh, they be have pissed. kids in the house, too. Like, yeah, and it's not uh, even your house. Get out of here. And I think the whole length of this experience was like 21 months. Like, can you imagine being oh in this place for God. over like... Can you imagine being here for like a year and a half, almost two years, and things are finally not good, but settled? And yeah. now all of a sudden this is happening? I dumb so little flippin'. sister shows up? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'd be livid. <sighs> so uh edwin says that during her time in the house too her behavior completely changed um and eventually she ended up going really downhill oh no oh no um, to a point where edwin has said in interviews she never never recovered <gasps> oh um, gosh she apparently left the, her husband and the kids she joined a quote cult-like group oh she apparently became abusive she uh and to this day now when she, I don't know if she's still around, but as of the most recent interview, uh, to this day, yep, <laughs> I saw a notification from Slack. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and so to this day, uh, which, like she refuses to leave her home. She refuses to see anybody. If you go to her home, you can see through the windows that the lights and the radio and everything are on all the time. Um, if you knock on the door, she'll apparently shout out like, go away, demon oh um so her her mental health has taken a steep decline terrible um and so again could just be good old-fashioned mental health problems but i think the belief here is that the house maybe a part of it left with her and stayed with her oh no um so people have also uh allegedly spoke with a little boy named tommy down there um and in the basement so that might have been another spirit that was affecting the home um one of the last people to live in the house as a tenant was i think she was the last tenant her name was mrs scott and apparently scary things were also happening to her and she had a noticeable personality change and it is interesting to note earlier i said that the first floor seems to affect women the most Mm -hmm. and now we can also add edwin's sister and mrs scott to that list that's true so after things didn't get better, Edwin and Marsha wanted out of the house for good, but the realtor showed it to a lot of people and couldn't find a buyer. Obviously. I think Ruh-roh. people were taking a reading the room and being like, this feels spooky. Also, They're I like, watched NBC last NBC. week. I watched yeah. this on 60 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, TikTok, uh, TikTok, TikTok uh, really gave me a concise rundown of how this happened. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, realistically, if 60 seconds on TikTok handled the segment on nbc it would only be six tiktoks it, it was only six minutes right 
that's true it's like well, you could just do like for part six and like then... for part six and now i mean tiktok lets you do three minute videos right so now you can oh just my do God. two honestly 180 seconds it's not as catchy as 60 <laughs> seconds <laughs> 120 no for three minutes oh three minutes three minutes three minutes you're right, i was right. like god um don't gaslight me <laughs> to thinking i'm that dumb at math like i'm bad at math don't get me wrong but <sighs> anyway if i swear if we end up on tiktok later and there is a 60 seconds channel i'm going to be very uh i'm gonna feel taken advantage of yeah i feel like um if it was created in the last 60 seconds <laughs> i don't even know where i was going with my sentence so i'm glad you kind of jumped in there <laughs> so uh they were looking to get out of the house the realtor could not find a buyer and eventually edwin like breaks down to him and is like okay fine the reason you can't find a buyer is this place is haunted and it turns out the realtor and his wife were really into spooky shit oh my gosh they're like why didn't you say so yeah so they were like uh can you confirm for us that this is haunted and edwin said in an interview he was like i went to all my tenants and i had them talk to the realtor no and all i told them was just be honest like (gasps) tell them exactly what happened because i think he was afraid they were gonna like cover for him yeah, and yeah, say yeah. like oh no there's no ghosts but he was like tell him everything you know oh my gosh and so when the realtor found out that it was really haunted he desperately wanted the house for himself but he couldn't afford it and so edwin made a deal with him that i guess in illinois they've got a maybe everywhere they've got a thing called a quick claim deed where basically edwin sold it to him for ten dollars legally oh like he was like just take it take everything i don't want this anymore so sold time for 10 bucks and sadly after he bought the house the realtor's health and wealth took a steep decline um so just another another coincidence so i don't know how involved the house was in that but it is interesting i mean to be Um, fair he is running around just buying random houses for ten dollars because there are (laughs) ghosts in them so i feel like his finances weren't business might not be booming yeah right (laughs) so when they left the home uh marcia was nervous that the spirits would follow them but uh fortunately they did not and since the nbc segment in 1971 the beckers didn't ever publicly talk about it again until 2011 so like 40 years later um and this i think this was in the 1980s it could have been all the way up to 2011 but i think it was the 1980s because i saw in an article it said 10 years later um edwin was writing down his experiences so that one he wouldn't forget them but also to document it for his kids he was kind of considering it like a diary entry or family archive so he was writing down everything that he could remember and over time it somewhat became like a manuscript and he'd even drawn like some like it's very like a very dad move that he had created some like first draft art to go with it it was very like michael scott threat level midnight where he like <laughs> wrote a manuscript and had pictures he's so, like here's the jar of bullets i did yeah. it myself <laughs> and so uh it was like a as as if he was manifesting like this could be like a, a a poster or something and so he like drew a poster of what he thought the cover of his manuscript would look like oh my goodness and he even thought about getting it published a few times under like a pseudonym. I think he was going to use like one of his friends or kids' names or something. Um, but 
the publishers wanted him to embellish the story because they thought it didn't sound juicy enough. Mm -hmm. So, and he didn't want to do that. So he just never got it published. Mm -hmm. But in 2011, his younger daughter read it, straight up took the flash drive, uploaded and published it online with his art and his real name. (laughs) Oh, that is such a daughter, like a kid move. Like, I feel like aside. I feel like the daughter's like, Dad, you don't even know what the world is like anymore. Let me just let me just throw this on and, and let's see what happens to the internet. And let's just uh, watch the, the world burn. Also, I love the support of the daughter being like, people need to know this story. Yeah, so, and also let's put your name on it, Dad. <laughs> right. He was you not stoked about the credit. that. He was not stoked that his name was on it. He also was not stoked because he thought nobody was ever going to see it. And he had written in there like who his favorite aunt was. And then his, all of his aunts read the book. Oh, and, like, oh my God. It like <laughs> wow. So he called like, out. He was like, I would have at least edited a few things. Oh, but um, so he wasn't super thrilled about the book being published uh online. But then his friend called him and told him that the book was number one in new releases, <gasps> and the book was called True Haunting. And when the book hit number one in parapsychology, it got the attention of the show Paranormal Witness on my dad's favorite network. Siffy. Siffy. So uh, Edwin and Marsha agreed to finally speak publicly about their story. This was the first time they were ever going to do it. It was probably because everyone liked the book, so they felt safe to do it, but also maybe PR for the book. I don't totally know. But so they ended up go- going on Paranormal Witness, and it was the episode, uh, season two, episode 12, called The Tenants. Is this on Discovery Plus? I think so. Because I think I've seen it, and I only remember this because I'm putting it together now. Because I remember the baby walker mm-hmm. scene because they did a reenactment, and I was like, "No, don't <laughs> reenact a baby falling down the stairs." I the baby, the did baby not. walker is part of this is part of the story. Okay, and I remember that, and then I remember the tenants thinking the other one was mm-hmm. fighting, and then I remember the little sister showing up. So I feel like yeah. I maybe have seen this episode. It's like starting to click a little bit. It's like you all have you have sixty seconds of it right in your little yeah, head. Right, I just kind of summed it up for you. There you go. <laughs> there's a baby. They're yelling. There's a sister. There's Got a it. yelling. This is a sister with a Ouija board. Classic. Classics. You're the sister with the Ouija board. By <laughs> I the know. way, oh, that's me. By the way, I feel like this was just Zandy's story, and all of a sudden you show up and you see the piano playing <laughs> yeah, by itself. Since when he never got his parent number one on parapsychology? <laughs> it's not fair. Did we? By the way, <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, we were, I don't think it was parapsychology, but it was uh, ghosts and hauntings. So paranormal I, witness. I don't know why we haven't gotten a call yet. Yeah, okay. That was my next thought. Was like, hang on, it got the attention of whom? Oh, yeah. I don't recall <laughs> the getting network? there. I don't recall Siffy wanting to speak to us, but whatever. If you work at Siffy, you could call us. I'm just saying they're gonna you... be like, you pronounce it Siffy. We're not gonna call you. <laughs> especially if we ever did promo for them we'd be like welcome i'm em and christine welcome to siffy's Siffy. favorite I mean, show siffy sci-fi siffy <laughs> so uh okay so they decided they were going to go on paranormal witness together and edwin said that this experience was actually super cathartic because he never let himself talk about what happened sure um he kind of wrote it down all those years ago but never one he wrote it down to never think about it again i think um and they ended up having to f- stop filming a few times because he got so emotional oh no because it was just really affecting him to think about in hindsight everything he'd gone through. yeah and when it aired for the first time he cried too and this was a quote from him about the first time he saw the episode 
it captured me and it made me well up when I saw the initial scenes and the initial scenes are them moving into this house very happy. Mm. Uh, because when I saw those scenes, I was that young man looking at this building and thinking, this is my future. I'm a landowner. I'm a landlord. We have a home. And it just all went south and it went really, really bad. Oh, that makes me want to cry. Yeah. That's I just sad. feel so bad for him. Yeah. Um, here, now we're going to go back to the NBC exorcism segment for a second. Because fun fact, Paranormal Witness is owned by NBC. <gasps> and so... When they were going to do the show, they were like, oh, we're going to use some of the archived footage from your exorcism and put it into the episode. Yeah, genius. Paranormal Witness goes to NBC, tries to get the archived footage, doesn't exist. What? Completely missing. No official record of it. What? All 16 or 60 hours of it completely no. gone. Yeah. How does that even happen? I don't know, just completely missing. Maybe she wasn't there was... even digital back then. It was on these giant <laughs> tapes. Like reels. Yeah. Which means it was probably easier to steal if someone That's was true. maybe... I mean, they like, literally You'd have had... to steal so many of them to get like 16 or 60 hours of it. I wonder if it was because... I mean, they also remember the only person who knew about this uh, before it aired was a Catholic priest. Maybe he like did something not so Christian and felt like he needed to hide that footage maybe someone else stole the footage maybe someone who's a big ghost fan thought they could steal it as a collectible maybe someone didn't agree with it being aired and i don't know it's completely gone though and there's no record of it being there so paranormal witness was like shit we already said we were going to produce this and now like we don't have the footage (laughs) so that sucks that sucks it all ended up being reenactments um and all that's left truly is that six minute segment on youtube Wow. And Edwin still has no idea what other activity they might have caught on camera during the exorcism. Oh, that makes me so mad. I wish they knew where it was. They need to get that other guy who found the jar of bullets to find the tapes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the protege. Such, the protege. <laughs> like, he knew where the bullets were in the rafters. That's actually such a good idea. If right? the protege's still around, you need to tell us where those reels of footage are. Find them. So, uh, FYI, if you did watch Paranormal Witness, which I know you did, the episode is incredibly embellished. Um... I'm unsure if the hauntings were embellished, but the family's history was certainly inaccurate. They said that instead of there being like that ghost Ben, there were four siblings and they all died in the house. And there was a wife who died by suicide to get away from the abusive husband. What the uh, fuck? One of the sons was killed by the dad in the basement. Like the, it was all stuff that I had just listened to like, I'm not kidding, like 20 hours of interview audio and then i watched paranormal witness and i was like i don't recall any Hang of on. that's not a good look paranormal witness i'm gonna be honest with you maybe they needed like filler after they realized they didn't have i guess legitimate so. foot. they went we're gonna be as legitimate as as we can oh never mind i guess we're so, gonna do the opposite of that now yeah and so um they i think they were just trying to tie up all the loose ends because um like edwin mentions in this that he found the jar of bullets and i think they were trying to say like oh someone died in the basement and that's why you found the bullets in there like they try they talked about how like you know how in um in the first episode of this or the part one of this i said that he had gone downstairs and found like a storage space full of porn they trapped they said they trapped the kid down there didn't they or uh-huh, something yeah i remember they, that they said instead of it being a well it might have also been a stash of porn but they found a false wall that led to a room where the kid had clearly been living because they were so ashamed of him they locked him down there and then they shot him. yeah and the, so all it the was cut like, up body parts and stuff yeah okay i'm actually comforted that that might have been embellished because that made me feel really weird i didn't like that part 
Well, also in hindsight now, I feel like, well, they also said that uh, Ben died in the bathtub and that would explain why all the weird things in the bathtub were happening, which I talked oh. about in part one. Um, so they were know, just trying to like, true. like, yeah, like tie up the loose ends, I guess. Like yeah, they also, they also embellished, I think, I don't know, because I've heard such little information about what happened in the exorcism. I don't know yeah. what's true or not. Um, but they might have embellished the exorcism. I also remember saying um, last week that Diane's or Dan and Diane, apparently Diane ended up leaving. I don't remember Edwin actually saying that in any interviews oh, in hindsight. So I don't know if she left now that I'm thinking about it. She might have. I don't. I interesting. The, the show really threw a fucking curveball at all of the work <laughs> I've done. Seriously, what the so, fuck? <laughs> so um, if you watch it, know that it is not super duper accurate. Grain of salt. Grain of yeah. salt. Yeah. Um, and so I will say they, they called the family in the show. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. The Verders, the Verdiers, V-E-R-D-E-R-E. Verdier. 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 Um, so they were saying like, oh, he would always like hang out with his neighbor and the neighbor would tell him every night, like new information about how bad the Verdier family was when they lived here, blah, blah, blah. On Edwin's personal website, he has in all caps, there is no Verdier family. Oh. It was made up for TV. So, oh, so don't try and find the Verdier family. Yeah. So um, I think they just ran with the fact that he had named the ghost Ben and that was... And then also because Myra, the original family member that yeah. lived there and was very unhinged, uh, I think they were combining them as siblings and then added a few more siblings and then created this whole family dynamic in the show. And it was very made up for TV. So Wow. Okay. But one good thing came from uh, Paranormal Witness, which was that they even interviewed Dan, their tenant, uh, oh, and yeah. he came back for the show. And Dan and Edwin reunited after 42 years and finally got to sit down and talk about everything they were <gasps> experiencing. That's because, pretty cool. <clears throat> because remember, when they lived together, nobody was telling each other the things no, that was going yeah. on. So they finally got to talk about everything. And when Edwin heard Dan's side to what was happening in the house, he realized that he had all this recent success because of his book, but his book never told the whole story. Wow. And so he decided to write a second book with everyone's information in it. Wow. So he ended up writing True Haunting 2, where he sat down. He has Dan's information in there. He also sat down with his wife and like heavily interviewed her and got all the nitty gritty details out of her um, about what she had to deal with. And this is where he realized that he feels like he wasn't the best partner uh, at the time he mm -hmm. was already kind of aware of it in hindsight but this really nailed it in for him where he was like it took 42 years for me to realize everything my wife was going through and because i never wow. asked because i was too scared to ask um <sighs> and so he found out that she was being touched by something um he found out that she was she was so paranoid about the children and never let the children out of her sight he, she he found out that she had taught like their nephews to read and write during that time like all these random things that like she just never told him. Um, most importantly, she was able to fill him in on how many times he had had angry changes in behavior where he got like relatively violent and he had blocked them out. Oh, no. So the it's almost like the house was. But then again, who knows if he blocked them out? And, you know, I don't know what the full story is there. But right. the theory we're going with was that um, this house was changing his behavior to a point where he was losing memory. Yeah. And uh, she was able to tell him that, like, he had, like, smashed his own guitar. He was, like, oh. destroying his own stuff. And, like, 
he couldn't he said he was like oh yeah i did do that i totally forgot <laughs> oh yeah good times and uh so she was able to help fill in some of his blank spots and wow. after the second book i think he's written other books and now he's hosted co-hosted guested on several podcasts about it he put out a youtube mini series called true hauntings season one and then there's no other seasons <laughs> um Fun fact, many say that in his interviews, when he's talking about his experiences, uh, they were mainly from 2012 to 2014, because that's when he was promoting his book. But a lot of people say that in those interviews, you can hear EVPs within the audio tracks of the interviews. <gasps> that's cool. And he was like, I can't confirm or deny, but people say they hear stuff all the time in these interviews whenever Do I'm Do you on. guys hear EVPs on our podcast? insert evp here wouldn't that be cool (laughs) eva put an evp right here an eva EVA. Uh, (laughs) so another fun fact as of next year the book true haunting is getting a movie adaptation called true haunting (gasps) and it comes out next year so and that will be maybe even more embellished than the maybe maybe it'll just be paranormal witness again maybe Um, they'll just put on the big screen and it's gonna star i never know how to say her last name but aaron moriarty moriarty Moriarty? Moriarty? Moriarty, is it? I mean, I don't know who that is, but if it's M-O-R-I-A-R-T-Y, then it's Moriarty. Okay, okay. Well, her. Uh, She is from, she was in The Boys, she was in Jessica Jones, she's in True Detective. Oh! So it's going to start her. I watch all of those shows and I still didn't know. I'm terrible at people's names, I'm sorry. Uh, Well, it's going to be her and then Jamie Campbell Bower, who was in the Harry Potter franchise, the Twilight franchise, he's in uh stranger things for oh my gosh oh yeah i like this girl she's 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 really um good in the boys um and so they are going to be starring in it together and people assume it will be they'll be playing edwin and marcia because it was they're like in their 20s and just starting their life together exciting yeah and as for the beckers edwin did stay in touch with joseph de louise the medium after the exorcism uh, he re- reunited with Dan and became friends after a paranormal witness. And he got to know a lot more mediums. And he now says that he is much less skeptical of mediums due to his friendship with Joseph. And he says that there are a lot of people out there with real gifts. Wow. And he does, however, believe that you should not go looking for trouble if the paranormal is not bothering you. And if Oops. something <laughs> and if something is happening in your home, but it's not scary, he says not to mess with it because uh, you might get it acting up or be more powerful or trying to test the waters if it knows that you're interested in playing its uh, games oh yikes um and as for their theories on how the on like just the spirits in their house and like what they meant who they were why they were there edwin thinks that they could have been the previous family members that allegedly had some mental illness uh he also thinks they could just be family members from the previous fa- or from the previous family that are mad that new people live there he thinks they could be conjured spirits from uh, either the previous family or his sister playing with a Ouija board. Yeah. Uh, he thinks it could be the land itself is haunted and not the house because another house nearby allegedly has a lot of activity um, and both homes were once owned by the same landowner. So he might have caused something. Um, and also Edwin says that might also be a coincidence because a lot of older homes at the time like had funerals in their parlor room so like right all houses of that time are probably haunted so he doesn't really know where it came from but whatever these spirits were edwin admits that in hindsight he was very disrespectful of their belongings in the beginning he remembers throwing a lot of things out he also knows it was wrong to challenge ben with like tying the door closed and telling him like you can't even break a string and Ooh, yeah i forgot about that 
yeah, so he realizes in hindsight that he was just not being respectful and he gave Ben room to stir the pot. Mm-hmm. And Marsha follows more of the blueprint theory where she thinks that the spirits could, on their side of the veil, they are seeing their own things and their spaces being messed with by these strangers and they just hated it. Um, but as for the last update we know on the house, it was in foreclosure in 2017 and shortly after their NBC segment, The Exorcist and the Amityville Horror came out, which led to a boom in the fear and interest of the paranormal. That's for sure. And that is the first televised exorcism. Wow, that was a good story, Em. Thank you. Wow. That was a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I feel like I have to go re-listen to everything. Because I, I, that was, and to think that that fucking topic was supposed to be like the shortest topic I ever covered and it ended up being two yeah, long like, two-parters. You were going to do it in one episode? It Well, it really, <laughs> I'm impressed by the way with the amount of digging I did because I really couldn't find anything for a while until I was like, there, there must be something to this if they're literally making a movie. All I had seen when I first got interested in this topic was that oh, a movie next year is coming out about the first televised exorcism. And I was like, if it was televised, why on earth can't I find it? Right, like, fair point. So it just became like a real goose chase and then I ended up finding way too much information. Ooh, crack it open. I know. Well, for and that's why we drank. I'm drinking some Liquid Death. Um, can Liquid Death, can you sponsor us? Why are they sponsoring us? Oh. One time I DM'd them, they were not interested. <laughs> Well, that's not the way to do it, Em. That's I know, that's I know. Silly. Um, that's really silly. It's worked before. I just wanted to see if it if they uh-huh. would be interested, but I think their vibe is, you know, probably a little more hardened and tough. So not me. We're we're tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm tough. Hi. Anyway, uh, Christine, I hope you enjoyed that story. I really liked it. I did not like how much research I had to do for it, but I did really like it. <laughs> I did like it a lot. And it, it's funny because I it started to sound so familiar. And I was like, this seems weird. Why would I know about this? Uh, I really did hold off on talking about the show aspect. Until that must be what it end. is. Because I, I feel like I must have watched that. I, I feel like I, I go through phases with these ghost shows where I watch like all of like an entire season in like two days of one of them and then like find a different one. So, Oh yeah. I must've just been in a paranormal witness phase. I don't even remember watching that show, but I must've been into it for a second. I'm um, currently re-binging uh, Danny Phantom. I think it's my, <laughs> speaking of ghost shows, I was in love with that show. And also when it's I was a 14 great show, I like, I know I was late to the game because by 14, most people probably weren't doing this. Like, I think it was much more like of a younger thing to do, but in my mind, I, thought i could be danny phantom i was convinced i would be danny like an incarnation of danny phantom i would say don't you dare because like you don't think i don't think i'm half ghost i do think i'd like to be empathy phantom that doesn't quite work (laughs) empathy phantom maybe it does work phantom phantom well i no i just i always wanted to be i really idolized danny phantom i there was something a little wrong about it i was like i I will be you one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved Danny Phantom. I was so jealous of every He's power. A cutie. I yeah. He was a cutie. I yeah. didn't even well, that was obviously not on my radar, but I 
Well, I, I thought he was like just idolizing so cool. him, maybe. <laughs> like, I certainly thought he was just the coolest. And he's kind of like what I envision Captain America today, where I'm like, I just want to be you. I don't understand what's so hard about that. What is so hard about that? You know, yeah. You know, when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind, especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink daylight saving time is starting up again it may feel like there are more hours in the day but if you're hiring it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner there's only one way to do that zip recruiter right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com drink ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. <sighs> well, um, here's what I have for you. I have a story from St. Louis. And the reason I have this for you today. Why is that funny? It's not funny. The problem oh. is last night we had a really bad thunderstorm and we lost power in our house for the first time ever. Oh. And I had zero way of doing any research. And for many hours, I just, I cooked spaghetti by flashlight. Uh, and we read Leona books by flashlight. And then I was like, well, shit, now I, I don't, I can't prepare my, uh, <laughs> my I take notes. It, I take it you have a gas stove? I do have a gas stove, yes. Uh, and Blaze was like very alarmed when I was like, "Oh, I'll just light it." And he was like, "You can't do that." And I was like, "I mean, watch me." Uh. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about, Christine. Like you, <laughs> well, who wants I to mean, eat spaghetti? Then well, I gotta you're... light the damn stove. No, you're right. But I also like I know I would have been on your side in that case because I've seen it done before. But I also know that like bl- the anxiety Blaze had in that moment yeah. was sky high. Like for I get you to it. just say, "I'm just gonna light something." 
of gas on fire. It's fine. <laughs> Give me the lighter, some matches. He was like, what the fuck? I uh, yeah. Zero surprise that his blood pressure probably soared for that moment. <laughs> he took the baby in the other room just in case which is fair. that'll do it that's- yeah 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 um but so yeah i did uh i did have a gas stove i did not have a gas wi-fi router so i was not able to research so what i Mailed did it. was being my savvy self is i pulled our by the way new york times best-selling book off of my nightstand okay christine we haven't talked about that yet and i just feel like i want to say i'm very proud of you and congratulations for being a new york times best-selling author that's pretty fucking badass oh my gosh i'm so proud of you i we really haven't talked about it at all um our manager even was like uh (laughs) i didn't think this would happen i was like oh me neither (laughs) and our when our our book agent told us she was it was actually i think the sweetest part of the whole thing because so uh, her name is Sabrina. She's a doll. A gem. And I don't, she said that she'd never gotten to tell someone before that they were New York Times bestsellers. She was like, she cried. She cried. She was texting us like, get on the phone, urgent, urgent. And I was I like, oh, all our of book- our books burned away. Because- I was like, our books caught on fire. Why is that what we think? I don't know. But that's what I thought too. <laughs> but no, she, she was very excited. It was, I think I was actually more excited for her excitement than to find yeah. out that we were actually bestsellers. Cause I don't she think- was like, we're having a party here. And she like turned the camera and people were like drinking champagne. I was like, damn, I wish I was invited to that. I've never had someone throw a party about me and me not even be invited by not the way. even be invited i was like good for you i feel special in a weird way no but it felt it was very um it's obviously an honor but i like i still haven't processed it because no, it doesn't neither. feel that doesn't feel like it, not me couldn't be me couldn't be me um not, creator of 60 seconds on tiktok could be me. that could be me that, that one's you me. um no but but also we should absolutely say thank you to everyone because the only reason that we were able to become bestsellers is because so many people went out and got the book book. right and so yeah thank you to everybody who bought a copy uh signed or not signed it uh really put us in a place i don't think we ever thought we'd be which is on a in a tizzy as as well but on the like new york times list which dream of mine that i didn't even think was a possible dream so thank you to everybody who bought a copy and uh last night i got to read it by candlelight um it was well i'm glad you got to i feel like that's the only way to do it you got to do it yeah. by candlelight and um, like a morticia adams dress or right? drinking blood or something even something a coffin horrible. candle would be a good option yeah that's um, good too just be careful because apparently there's nowhere i can put it that's safe uh open air open access space is where you can light it you just refuse to do it open access what do you mean like a spot where squidward isn't nailed to the wall right next to it (laughs) like in a space where you can do this with your arms you know well i thought i could but then my microphone said what about this arm and it swung directly (laughs) into the flames so that was my fault uh okay So anyway, I was going through the book and I was like, well, I guess I'll just cover one of these stories because I legitimately don't have internet or, and I didn't want to use it, my phone battery. So I was like, I'm going to find a story that I haven't covered yet on the podcast. Um, And I was, let me tell you, shocked when I realized I had not covered this one um, because I was convinced and maybe I have, but I looked through your handy dandy list on the website and it wasn't there. So hopefully, Uh, unless you, well, unless you've have any memory of covering it in the last like few weeks because i i feel like once a month is when i go in and update yeah no it's definitely like like four episodes behind 
Yeah, no, it's not uh, a recent story. So I, I must have just like done it. I don't know. I thought I had covered it, but I didn't. So this is the story of Bertha Gifford, Missouri's first serial killer. Oh, okay, cool. And Damn. yeah, this is a story that was in the book for St. Uh, St. Louis. And I have more information in this episode now than is in the chapter because we had to unfortunately keep our our verbiage shorter than usual to we hit had, a page limit <laughs> yeah we were told like five to six hundred words and i was yeah. like do you know how hard it is to we were like you mean twelve thousand, right and they were like no we we've don't. only we've already used up like 600 words like a thousand times in this episode like yeah what? exactly it was just a very very big ask of us uh and we did it uh we had to chop out a bunch of stuff just to make it all fit uh, which ended up being the right thing to do because it's still quite a long book. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I now have like a more, I still have this like more uh, informational set of notes. So this will have more in it than the book. Uh, but the fun. book is fun little illustration. So, you know, you might as well get both. You know, the only thing that completely infuriates me is that now that book won't have a qr code next to it that story won't have a qr code i thought about that too um and i (laughs) thought it's not your fault it's just like if you have a printer at home just print your own and tape it in there (laughs) link it to this episode and tape it on in oh my god that's actually well i would do that because i'm a crazy person yeah i i I wouldn't but if you have the print if you have the ink and the wherewithal to really go for it then like uh, by all means you edit that book yeah, please go for it. However you uh, need to. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm just flying in the face of M's, you know, neuroses right now and creating a QRless chapter for us. I'll be fine. Okay, we'll see. Um, so this is the story of Bertha Gifford. She's Missouri's first serial killer and was born in October of 1871 in a place called Grubville, Missouri, as one of 10 children. Sorry. Grubville. Grubville. Uh so yeah. here's my thing about Grubville. Sure, sure, sure. I feel like they have to have a monthly buffet for the townspeople called <laughs> Grub. Get your grub at Grubville. Get your grub at Grubville. Get your well, fill can- at Grubville. <gasps> no, but you gotta say grub. The grub is the is the play on words, there. right? But I feel like if you say get your fill at Grubville, like you're already doing the. Oh, uh-huh, maybe not. Uh-huh. I don't know. I know what you're grub- saying. Grub gets a grubbin'. At Grubville. No. That hmm. sounds not fun. <laughs> grub grub time. <laughs> grub it up. Baby. Grubville, are you listening? I need your mayor to figure that out. Grubville. For me, and mayor then I'll come Grubville. over. Um get your fill at Grubville. That's what I'm You would with. you would think at least like a local mom and pop restaurant there, their menu, like they've got sections like sandwiches, starters, desserts. They've gotta they've gotta have a grub section, they, right? They gotta. Yeah. If they anyway. don't, we're going to be small business owners in Grubville, Missouri pretty soon. Because I, like, like... I feel like every restaurant in Fredericksburg has a Fredericksburger. Like, you got to play uh, with it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Grubville, if you needed um, unsolicited advice on how to run your city, <laughs> step one. Are we there helping you, you? No, probably not. <laughs> uh, so, Grubville. Uh, in, watch it not even exist anymore, because this was 1871. But if it does, you better <laughs> It's now advantage. called, like, the food court or something. Called, I don't know. It's called the local food court. 
so then the information about her is very limited up until her marriage in December of 1894. I guess back then they weren't just like keeping records on things that happened in random children's childhoods. So in December of 19, nope, 1894, she married a man named Henry Graham in Hillsborough, Missouri. And after his death in 1907, she married a man named Eugene Gifford. And so now she has mm. uh, his last name. So Henry Graham just kind of got swept under the rug. And Eugene Gifford, she married him, took his last name, and that is how we got Bertha Gifford. Uh, so Bertha was alleged to be, despite her not traditionally sexy name was one of the most beautiful women in the whole county of jefferson county uh she had dark hair dark complexion she was very uh swarthy <laughs> i don't think that's even the right word but you know i love it when you say swarthy i just couldn't help myself i think that's usually reserved for the male persuasion but she was you know dark hair dark complexion just a beautiful woman swarthy is what i'm gonna say i gotta say from sneed to swarthy <laughs> There's a real range of the things Christine I'm willing story. to tolerate. Yeah, they're all Christine <laughs> jargon from Sneed to Swarthy. Well, that's a, it's a tongue twister. Mm -hmm. um, so she and her second husband, Eugene, moved to Catawissa after their marriage. And this is now in Franklin County, Missouri. I looked this place up on TripAdvisor uh, just for funsies. And there is a restaurant I didn't look up, of course, I didn't look up Grubville restaurants, but I looked up Catawissa restaurants. Problem one with the story, Problem by the way. one, I've already made a big mistake. Uh, and the restaurant there is called Tavern, uh, and it is described as pub. Uh, <laughs> so that's the only thing on TripAdvisor. God, step two on how to improve the city. I need there to be a place called pub, and the description is tavern. <laughs> You're so right. That would be just oh beautiful stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like uh, even to this day, an extremely small town. Um, and so at the time, I imagine this was pretty rural. Uh, neighbors reported that Bertha was an extraordinary cook, uh, as well as being very beautiful. She was reported to be friendly and caring. She would wear this white dress and carry her satchel to any neighbors who would be ailing. And she basically adopted the role of nurse and would tend to sick people uh, all over town to help them recover. Because back then you didn't really need a medical license to be running around healing people. Hmm. So okay. she was called the Good Samaritan of Catawissa. And she would often jump out of her bed in the middle of the night, put on her white nurse's uniform, which she would like keep by the chair, by her bed. And then she would drive her horse and buggy through any sort of weather, even blizzards, to make it to a person's house, uh, often before the doctor, like the county doctor, even arrived. Wow, that's like, it sounds like a superhero when it's like, oh, I keep my suit right next to my bed, ready for it's a quick like change a at cape. any moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She yeah. like has it at the ready. And so she would, if anybody was sick, she would be called upon and she would often get there yet before the doctor even got there. Um, so Bertha was not a trained nurse, like I said, but she was a very, considered a very competent volunteer whom the local doctors truly appreciated because she would get there very quickly. She understood symptoms and drugs and therefore they allowed her to administer medicines to patients uh, mm. when they weren't there, which I'm like, okay, now you're verging into like dangerous, reckless, <laughs> reckless behavior. I agree. Um, so when she would take a case on, she would basically take over the household. Uh, she would like order people around and say like this in and out of the sick room. Uh, she would impress the family by how this is a quote. 
She would impress the family in countless ways with her superior knowledge and experience. So, okay. She basically like showed up and was like, all right, everybody listen up. I'm going to order everybody around and make sure we take care of this patient. Uh, I, and I feel like she ends, I know it ends badly, but right now it sounds like she, I'm totally on her side. Local hero. Yeah. Uh, like I know like girl boss is out, but she sounds girl like she's boss. girl bossing. <laughs> like she sounds like a, she's the like, original girl boss. Yeah. I yeah. mean, she just sounds like someone I want to root for so badly. Like she's, she's just so doing all the right swarthy. things. Oh, you know, I love a swarthy person. Same. I'm into it. Um, so there was only one problem with Bertha, and I'm so glad that you brought this up right as this bullet approached me uh, and my scrolling, because there was only one problem, and that is that Bertha's patients always died. Which then may... Okay, well, first of all, <laughs> ring, ring, ding. But also, like... <laughs> Big problem. <laughs> like, like, the only problem that really just can't be remedied. Like, like it's, it's a, a big super problem. duper problem. Yeah. But also, like... like she the fact that they like just kind of trusted her enough to like just start giving her medicine like i feel like that's something you do on an incredibly trial basis and if it goes well then maybe you up her responsibilities even more but like if you're letting if this is the trial basis situation and everyone's dying like shocking take a hint like take a hint (laughs) take the medicine away from her take the drugs away and so i say always died technically almost always but like shockingly a lot like enough of them enough to like probably (laughs) yeah have hinted at a problem um so she would go to people's bedside she would spend the night with them tend to them and in the morning she would tell the families that unfortunately their loved one didn't make it through the night uh and part of this whole charade was that she would weep harder than anyone else so people like she just acted so devastated that people were like well she can't have had anything to do with it. Like, right. look how broken up she is about this, that she wasn't able to save them. Really? Um, if one of her patients, this part disturbs me, uh, seemed to rally and start to recover, they would mysteriously take a turn for the worse when she was spending the night with the patient. So, Convenient. Like, big yikes. Yeah. Uh, and people started to notice that it was strange whenever Bertha, now here's a lovely quote, quote, plunks herself down in a sick room, the patient never gets well. Uh, so what a f- fun pattern to start noticing. Um, yeah. Thankfully, people did start to notice it. There's this article from 1928 that was uh, super sexist and super fun to read because it's like, yikes. Uh, but here's a quote from that. <clears throat> the article said, It should come as no surprise that women noticed this first. The men scoffed, but the women kept right on putting two and two together. So... Basically, they were like, of course, the gossips of the town noticed. And it's like, well, who cares if they're gossips? If they're the ones like. I also I feel like they that was like such a it was like so sexist. It became feminist. It was like, yeah, it I mean, was like, exactly. Of course, the women and it's their like, where's the problem? Feeble, yeah, of course, their women and their feeble minds noticed this first. <laughs> and it's like, sorry, are you just admitting that men didn't catch on to very exactly. obvious things? No, exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's like you just like shot yourself in the foot with your backwards argument. Yeah, it's like you're welcome. <laughs> I think is yeah. what you're trying. You're trying to say thank it's you. Like, women think? are so stupid that even men couldn't figure silly it out. Silly women. Yeah. What? The silly women figured it out with all their gossip well yeah you're fucking welcome and yeah, so it's like it's such a backwards argument it's not even an argument like you're right it just kind of like proves the women know how to communicate while the men don't <laughs> and therefore the me- the women solved a crime saved a lot of lives and, yeah exactly 
exactly. Oh, those stupid, stupid women. Of course. It's so the feeble mindedness just yeah. runs rampant. God, it's embarrassing. Men are, it's embarrassing, <laughs> so, isn't it's it? Men are so embarrassing. Oh, God. I roll. Um, so it was, of course, when a man named Ed Brindley died, the 17th person under her care who died, that the men finally listened to the women and demanded an investigation into Bertha Gifford's behavior. So uh, the way Bertha had defended herself in the past was by saying each of her patients' deaths were caused by something called acute gastritis caused by the, quote, rural habit of eating a heavy dinner at noon and then laboring on a full stomach instead of having the main meal at night after the day's work is over as the city man has learned to. Okay. Oh, the, the city man. <laughs> okay. So basically she's saying, well, out in the country here, uh, these people are eating such big breakfasts or lunches like at noon and then they're working afterward on a on a big heavy full stomach mm -hmm. and this is why they're all dying uh, uh so the logic there i guess worked for some people um, okay it seems like a lot of this non-logic is working for a lot of some <laughs> somehow, people somehow this is clicking for somebody not i but for somebody else um, and so every time a patient died, uh, this is what she would say, and they would write a death certificate and issued it and said it was, yep, it was acute gastritis. That's what Bertha told us. And that's how that's how it went every single time. But also if it's acute, I mean, I don't know enough. This might be a legitimate medical thing I'm unaware of, but I feel like wouldn't you at least want to lie and call it like severe gastritis? Because I feel like acute makes it sound like. Uh, like you would have been fine no also, so I, I think the word acute in uh in um medicine is different like it's not like a it this has always confused me as well but acute means uh, i just looked it up to get the right definition uh in medicine describing a disease as acute denotes that it is of short duration uh and of recent onset so basically oh, so like the, it's time wise not severity it's wise. severe and sudden yeah so it's sort uh, of like oh this okay. happened all, it's not like a chronic condition like you have uh -huh. your whole life it's sort of like acute onset like it just happened out of the blue oh okay um, see hey i actually did learn something today listen sometimes i know a little and bit from a something. woman wait a minute <laughs> my little feeble mind concocted that <laughs> sentence for you uh i did i did know that acute meant something different because i would always get very confused by that phrasing because in geometry we learned an acute yes. angle is a very little one so that's how i always thought about it exactly. until literally today so it's a little, I'm just going to say it doesn't make sense, folks. Whoever made that up doesn't make sense. Well, I bet it was a man. I anyway. bet it was a man. <laughs> uh, if it was a woman, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you betrayed us. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So every time a patient died, she would say this acute gastritis thing and they would write a death certificate without question. And from that same 1928 article, there was a quote, could a lot of ignorant gossips know more than the doctor's? Yes. And I'm like, she wasn't a doctor. She wasn't even a nurse. She literally yeah. didn't have a medical degree. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know. The argument there, it doesn't There's track anyway. There's at least anyway. three different chunks I want to scream about separately. Right, like, none of it makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> ignorant gossip. So, I'm like, they're pretty aware. I yeah, it's like, what's the, the ignorant part? Also, they're... she was not a doctor. Also, yes, gossips can be yeah, uh, on top of something. Yeah, argument overall doesn't really make sense. Exactly. Especially because... Well, spoiler alert, they were right. So anyway, um, state health commissioner, Dr. James Stewart, did not trust her. So at least he was on board, um, at least not 
enough to check into what was going on. So he would take, he went and got the records of drugstores in the neighboring towns to examine them and see like what the pattern was. And he learned that Mrs. Gifford had been a steady customer of arsenic rat poison. Oh, uh-huh. well, I don't know why that surprised me because I feel like that was the only murder weapon back then. It's always like arsenic, huh? It's always some sort of poison. It's always poison. Every time. Yeah. And uh, basically she would buy this and feed his people. And the symptoms that arsenic produces are very similar to gastritis. So mm. the upset stomach, all that. Uh, and in many cases, she had made her purchases just before the patient's death. So it was pretty obvious that like this is what was going on uh weirdly enough too she also attended every single funeral held in the town over a span of 18 years uh she only ever missed one i guess and she took command of the funerals and liked to make sure everything was done right uh she would even pay for the embalming of one of her victims so like extra disturbing it's like when like the criminal like goes to the scene of the crime to like watch yeah I also, I do wonder, like, do you think she had some sort of guilt or do you think it was all a cover? I don't even know if it was, I think she enjoyed being like involved in it. It almost seemed like because she would go to a sick person's house and kind of like take charge of the household. And then at a funeral, she would step in and be like, make sure that they are the most, you respect them and give them the burial they deserve. And it's like, you put them here. I don't know. I don't know if there was a disconnect in her mind or if she was i don't really know honestly no clue it's just kind of creepy behavior um so she was arrested in eureka missouri and charged with the murders of three people at first and she was brought before a grand jury the entire time she was claiming innocence of course and threatening to sue for slander uh, when they presented the case, it turned out it went all the way back to 1909, which was 20 years before. And mm. guess what happened that year? That was the year Henry Graham, her first husband, died. And mysteriously, ah. he had died of cramps in the night before the doctor in the night before the doctor arrived. So they were like, wait a second. This goes all the way back to You're literally, literally bringing it home, <laughs> bringing it home. Like her first victim was her first husband. Uh, the next known death in her care was in 1913, which was four years later after Bertha had remarried. And this time it was her mother-in-law who happened to die of something called tomain poisoning, AKA food poisoning. Uh, the article said Bertha's grief was, (laughs) I like this quote. So I kept it not so great, but considered adequate for a mother-in-law. So they were, okay. she wasn't sad, but like sad enough considering it's it was like, just her mother-in-law. Like she did what she had to do and yeah, you know. She shed a tear too just to like keep up appearances. Right. <laughs> and then a year later, her 13-year-old brother-in-law, James Gifford, also passed away uh and in her arms with those same <sighs> symptoms of stomach cramps and vomiting. Yeah, it's not feeling like guilt at all at no, this point. I think it's, it's just gross. Um, it almost feels like an addiction of like yeah it's it is it's it keeps happening and it keeps happening closer and closer together like we see i feel like with serial killers yeah um and also it i reminds... don't also i don't know enough about addiction i don't know if no I yeah have said i don't that, know but but it, it feels like like uh, maybe compulsion is that the right a better word I don't for know. it yeah I, mean, I don't know it just feels like sh- like she cannot stop herself yeah, it sounds like she doesn't want to either <laughs> yeah 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 that's true that's she true. um she what was i gonna say uh, oh, it reminds me of those like uh, angels of mercy or whatever the fuck where they like kill people under the guise of like 
they're in a better place now. And it's like they weren't even going to die. Like they weren't sick. Ugh, yeah. You know, like in hospitals and stuff when they there are people who, you know, take people's lives and it's like a weird power trip. I don't know. There's a lot there that I'm sure I'm misrepresenting, but it's all very creepy. Um, so she kills her first husband, remarries, kills her mother-in-law, then kills her 13-year-old brother-in-law. Uh, so one man took to the stand to tell the grand jury how Bertha, this is very disturbing, had helped nurse his three children when they were six, six, sorry. Bernard was 15 months old. Margaret was two and Irene was seven. Uh, they had like small ailments. So they called Bertha to help and all of them passed away of acute gastritis in her care. I feel like at some point, like just come up with a different poison and a different diagnosis. It's getting really obvious. Like, yeah, after 17, I mean, I guess she got through 17 without, I guess so. But I feel like, like at least stir it up. So people don't see how clear it is. Yeah. For her mother-in-law, she was like, Oh, it was food poisoning. And I'm like, that's, I feel like the same thing. And also not very convincing. Yeah, but I guess it worked. I mean, I I don't know. Um, So it seemed this is, again, disturbing and might speak more to her psychology. Uh, She seemed to prefer to have children for patients whenever possible because they were more easily talked into taking whatever substance she gave them. So she had like more control, basically. Yeah. Uh, one man who worked for the Gifford family for 18 years testified that while living in the Gifford household, both of his young boys, Lloyd and Elmer, contracted acute gastritis out of nowhere and both passed away. Like, mm. under the roof, he, she just kills her employees' kids. Uh, so only a month later, Bertha learned that a local woman was suffering of tuberculosis, so she showed up in her nurse's uniform and took charge. The woman rallied so strongly that they were trying to tell Bertha, like, to go home, and they didn't need her anymore. Uh, and they were like, oh, we, we don't want to take advantage of your kindness. And then suddenly uh-huh. the patient developed alarming stomach pains, nausea, and died. Ugh. Yeah. So I mean, like, it just yikes. it just feels like dominoes. Like, I- Yeah, yeah. It's nonstop. Uh, and so instead of assuming Bertha had something to do with it, the family of the woman believed, like, this must just have been some unlucky stroke of, like, bad fortune. But they took one more chance. Uh, when another woman in the family became ill, they called Bertha again, and she, too, died of gastritis. So no wonder people are gossiping, so to speak. Yeah, like, and the fact that anyone's calling it ignorance, like... Or uh, gossip, even. It's like, that's not yeah. gossip. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> people are straight up nervous right now. Crime reporting, like, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so another man who worked for the Giffords had complained that they hadn't paid him the money they owed him. So Bertha, the way they phrased it was Bertha paid him in time for it to be spent on his funeral. So oh. she paid him back and it ended up going to his own funeral because she killed him. <laughs> okay. Yikes. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, a local man named S. Herman Pounds, considered one of the, quote, strongest physical specimens in the neighborhood, was known for indulging his hard cider. So Bertha brought him inside to give him something to sober up. Uh, the doctor arrived too late, and Bertha told him that Pounds had died of acute gastritis superinduced by alcoholism. So I guess mm. she's adding booze into the mix now. Okay. Uh, one woman described driving from East St. Louis to Catawissa to visit her ailing relative. Uh, Bertha seemed annoyed by this uh, this relative's presence, so she suggested that the woman go lie down and take a little nap. And when the woman woke up, 
Ortho was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Your relative has passed away. I feel like this MO is just so obvious to it's us, I guess. Bad. But I know. why isn't anyone else picking up on it? I have no idea. Um, so Bertha's last victim, like I said, was this guy, Ed Brinley. He was also heavily into his hard cider, and he made the fatal mistake of leaning against Bertha's mailbox for a few moments. And uh, while he was drunk, she spotted him from inside and said to her husband, please carry him in. Uh, he's he's clearly drunk and he needs to be sobered up. Carry him inside. But when he was dead two hours later, everyone finally was like, what the hell? Like, he was just wandering through the neighborhood and all of a sudden he goes into her house and winds up dead. So this is when they so finally admitted to... it. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's when the, the gossips were finally onto something, you know? The gossips are like, like elbowing each other so hard. <laughs> They're like, I, look at this. What did we tell you? So the grand jury indicted Bertha for murder, but she still insisted she had done nothing wrong. Uh, Her priority during the trial was not getting photographed, and she apparently would sit in her cell with a blanket that she threw over her head whenever she heard someone walking down the hallway. God. Oh, my God. I don't even know where to start with that. In the book, I'm pretty sure I mark this as, like, this is M because because it says she refused to eat anything but ice cream. She would literally just hide under a blanket and only eat ice cream. I mean, that <laughs> honestly, that is me. I would just like ostrich my head so nobody could even see me. I'd be like as dramatic as possible. Don't look at me. <laughs> Where's I'm my ice cream Sunday? I'm not me without my bowl. <laughs> oh, I, God. uh, wow, what a dramatic, uh, silly, silly woman. What and by silly, queen. I mean it in the bad way. But yeah, also, in the worst like, way. Like, uh, like, was she hiding out of... It was an embarrassment, right? Or no, was it she I, well, was I don't know. Of... I think she just didn't want her photo in the paper or something. I'm not really sure why. But she wasn't proud of what she'd done? Maybe. Like... She, maybe maybe she didn't have her powder, and so she couldn't oh, press yeah. her face. I have no idea. Press her face? Is I that what they used to do? I don't know. I think I just made that up. So I <laughs> okay. was hoping you wouldn't pick up on it, but here we are. <laughs> press their face. I don't I, think hey, that's right. It sounds right, though. Like, I know they, like... They like, powdered the powder... their face. The, the powder press would be maybe used to powder their face. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. That makes sense to me. Yeah, thank you. I'm so Anyway, glad. she only had ice cream and no makeup, which also sounds like me. So and hit under a blanket. I'm kind of love. <laughs> I'm kind of loving this vibe. Uh, if it weren't a serial killer, obviously, uh, but the vibe it's, I can get on board with. If I needed like a really fucked up Halloween costume, I'm glad that I have one just built in by just covering covering just myself with a blanket and eating ice cream. Yeah. I mean, it's all you need. You're like. <laughs> Don't you recognize me? I'm Bertha. It's I'm like, take, swarthy Bertha. Take one look. You'll know exactly from You'll the know start. It's me. <laughs> but don't take a look. That's why I'm You're under right. this blanket. <laughs> don't look at me. Okay. So there's this chief of police of a St. Louis suburb called Webster Groves. Uh, and the chief of police's name was Andrew McConnell. Um, he noticed that Bertha seemed particularly annoyed at the suggestion that she had poisoned the three-year-old daughter of S. Herman Pounds. He was the strong physical specimen mm-hmm. who she said died of alcoholism. Um, when he continually pressed her about this, because every time they mentioned the three-year-old daughter, she would get all bent out of shape about it. She finally snapped at him. Well, anyway, I did not give any arsenic to that Pounds child. When he asked, okay, to whom did you give arsenic? She confessed right. that she had poisoned a number of neighbors and their children. 
So oh. she's <laughs> like, but this one I didn't do. So he was yeah. like, I guess... this kid hurts my feelings, but the other yeah. kids. Yeah. How I did dare that. you insist that I, yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, but so when asked why she explained that she wanted to put them out of their misery, which again, reminds me of these like heroes, workplace uh-huh. heroes in medicine, uh, obviously very rare. I'm not like calling out people in medicine, but like you hear of these like serial killers who like kill their patients and say, oh, they're trying to make mm-hmm. ki- keep them out of their misery put them out of their misery it's very disturbing um especially when they're not even sick you know oh yeah so two of her victims bodies were exhumed both showed traces of arsenic poisoning uh however bertha was found not guilty by reason of insanity and was instead committed to the missouri state hospital number four um have you covered that didn't you just cover that or was that something different? Um, it was in Missouri, I feel like. Wasn't Missouri State Penitentiary? Oh, okay, yeah. So this was the, uh, quote-unquote, asylum. Because <laughs> uh, oh. she was uh, found not guilty by reason of insanity. So she went to the state hospital, number four, uh, where she remained until her death in 1951. And while there, she worked at the hospital's beauty shop before being transferred to the kitchen as a cook. Uh, she died on August 20th, 1951. Her husband, Jean, arranged to have her buried in Morse Mill Cemetery, and her grave is unmarked. Uh, and interestingly enough, if you look up the Undertaker records, uh, yeah. it shows that the service and burial cost uh, of $266.69 uh, had only been covered up to $166.69. So to this day, the balance is, mark- is marked as unpaid. So oh, her, her burial is literally unpaid. Wow, uh, never getting paid, by the way. <laughs> I guess you're right. I I feel like they should just kind of scrap any chance of getting yeah. that back. Um, and although counts vary, most historians and family members agree that Bertha Gifford killed at least 17 people over a period of 21 years, and some consider her to be America's third serial killer ever, and definitely Missouri's first. So that is wow. the story of Bertha Gifford. You know. I don't know if it's because the timing is that it's so far removed or if it's because the MO was just so clear, clear cut. I don't know what it was, but that felt like a much more palatable serial killer story yeah. compared to like last week's was fucking rough. It, to be fair, last week people were writing like, this is the first one I couldn't listen to. And I was like, well, that's saying something, I think. Yeah, it was, that was brutal. Episodes. Yeah. That uh, was brutal. That was really rough. And uh, it was more, I feel like more detailed, like more gruesome. Yeah, maybe that's why, because I feel like I, I feel like I, it's one of those things where I don't want to say like, one's a better serial killer no, sure. than the other, but the story felt like there was... I don't know. It didn't. It didn't feel as dark, even though like, literally seventeen people died, including children. So, I know. Like, it's it's sort of like I think part of it, like you said, is a that it's removed a little bit because of the time period. Like we mm-hmm. just can't relate to it as much as like oh twenty thirty years ago, um, and and yeah, it kind of glossed over some of the details too. Like it didn't. Yeah, go into I feel really like the more detail. details, the worse. It yeah, is. for sure um so it's yeah it's disturbing um yeah but uh this it was it's disturbing but also i i definitely had less of a miserable time than last week there were no smoothies you know made yeah. of, of yeah. Animal, oh, animal oh i forgot about parts. that Ugh. 
I can't yeah. forget about that. I wish I, I think could it's forget. just it feels I mean it was definitely less gruesome. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like there's no you know accurate way there's to no say good true crime or murder. Yeah, but Yeah. It's, I know what but you anyway, mean. But anyway, I I appreciated the story being um kind less of a little break traumatic last week. Yeah. 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 yeah, I feel you. Um, so thank the thunderstorm, I guess, that came through. and That was God me. saying, you've had enough. <laughs> That's enough. Pull, Turn pull over. <laughs> pull over. We're going to just focus on something else right now. Um, well, I already have uh, next week's story picked out, which is rare. Ooh. But I am excited to, uh, to get that done when we record next. So. Awesome. Well, I don't, but I'm going to get it done soon <laughs> i feel like i feel like i've been on a ghost train lately usually i do like two ghosts couple aliens maybe a cryptid throw in a conspiracy theory and then i go back to ghosts like i feel like i usually mix it up but i feel like i've been on like a heavy ghost train i kind of love the ghost train i'm not gonna lie that is the mainstay of I'm my all half about of the it. show but i usually i just usually have a harder time finding so many solid ghost stories all at one time i don't usually know how because zach bagans finds them every single week for I know, that man is the Walt Disney of ghosts because he really <laughs> he will always find new content and I don't know how he does it. Just follow just jump on his bandwagon, take his episodes, run with them. Oh, well, I well, can you imagine the day where there isn't an episode of his that I <gasps> having that scares me. That scares That's me. That's not going to happen. He's literally making more shows, like not even just more episodes, but like multiple branches of shows. I'm telling you, he is his own Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's his own universe. It's <laughs> the true. The Zach Bagans Cinematic Universe. It's kind of amazing, actually. <laughs> the SB, the ZBCU, as I call it. The ZBCU, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we got to do our little... Um, after chat. After chat. I yeah. can't wait. All right. Well, I'll, I'll see you over there. Okay. Sounds good. And that's why we drink. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America. 